0: Welcome to Burnside at Home, it's Richard here welcoming you to our worship service for Sunday the 9th of August. Thank you for joining with us again this week. I'm still taking part in the service today again but I'm delighted to welcome another guest this week. This week it's the Reverend John Colder from Bally Sally Presbyterian Church who's going to share from God's Word under the theme Trusting God When We Are Anxious. We obviously have some members of Burnside taking part as well. Jenna Craig is going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer and Heather McCabe is going to read from Psalm 98. Because I'm getting help from John Coulter this week, I'm hoping to take a little rest for a couple of weeks. Uh, Hopefully I'll still be able to put this service onto the phone line for you. Uh, But as I said before, there'll be no midweek Bible study on the phone line for the next couple of weeks. Our long-term plan is still to open the church building at the beginning of September, but we'll keep you informed about that closer to the time. So once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time to be with us and let us worship God together. Welcome to Burnside at Home. It's wonderful that you're able to join with us as we worship in spirit and in truth today Uh, again something a little bit special today we've got a guest speaker in our service the Reverend John Calder from Valley Sally congregation is going to be sharing with us from God's Word this is one of the great privileges that we have as Presbyterians that we are joined together and we work together and we encourage one another together Uh, so today thank you to John uh, for sharing from God's Word with us So as we worship together, let's come before God, let's seek him and ask that he would speak into our hearts and he would challenge us today. The psalmist says in Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. My prayer today is that we would know the salvation of God, that that salvation would go out from here, that others would listen and would trust in the Lord. So let's bow before him in prayer together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us to worship you and to praise you. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us now as we come to you and seek your presence. Speak to us through your word today, Lord. Be with John as he shares that word with us. And Lord, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would take those words and apply them to our hearts so that we would be ready to serve you and follow you. Lord God Almighty, we thank you that your word is relevant to us each day of our lives. And so we pray now that you would continue with us in this time, that you would unite us together through your Holy Spirit, even though physically we are apart, and that we would know fellowship with you this day. Amen.
1: Good morning. My name's John Calder. And I've been minister in Balisally Presbyterian Church for the last 23 years or so. And I've been a frequent visitor to Burnside down through the years. And so I'm really delighted to be able to share in, worth, in worship with you again this morning, even if it is only virtually. And I want to say a big thank you to Richard, your minister, for his invitation to come and share in the service with you. Uh, and to say thanks, Richard, too, for your ministry uh, in Balisally. We really appreciate that. As we come to consider God's word... Let's pray. God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, the Bible. And we thank you for the promise of your Spirit to be our teacher. Come now by your Spirit, we pray. Help us to grow in understanding and to grow in our ability to put into practice these things that you call us to do. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I think most of us are familiar with Jonesy from Dad's Army and his famous catchphrase Don't panic, don't panic. And of course Jonesy's always in a state of full-blown panic when he's running around telling everybody else not to panic. I guess some of us are more susceptible to panic than others. But I've no doubt that all of us are experiencing heightened levels of anxiety in these days. Since coronavirus has swept across the world, bringing disease and death and lockdown in its wake, we've all experienced a greater degree of anxiety and we've all had to learn to cope with anxiety in our daily lives. Anxiety includes feelings of unease, of restlessness, a sense of being on edge, a sense of uh, impending danger or a dread of what might happen next. Anxiety affects our concentration, it affects our sleep patterns, it makes us more irritable. At least that's what my wife Lynn tells me. Anxiety can cause headaches, shoulder tension, upset tummies, increased heart rate, shortness of breath, and in more extreme cases, panic attacks. And there's a lot of really useful, helpful advice out there, uh, which when we put it into action, really does make a difference. It's helpful to take regular exercise. It's helpful to maintain a good routine, to eat sensibly, to avoid alcohol and drugs. It's really helpful to, to reduce our exposure to TV news or to social media. I've been trying to put that into effect in my own life with varying degrees of success. I was feeling very down in the dumps over a couple of days uh, and wondering what that was all about when I suddenly realised I hadn't been out for a walk for nearly a week. So the advice is really good, but of course, you have to put it into practice for it to make any difference for you. Uh, and if, and in some cases, uh, we, we need to speak to our doctor uh, when anxiety uh, really crowds in us uh, and, and threatens to overwhelm us. It's good to go and speak to the doctor and maybe to get some additional help. All of these helps are really good for us, and I want to commend them to you. But this morning, I want to think specifically about two things that the Apostle Paul teaches us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. These things that Paul says, well, if we put them into practice in our lives, help us to, the respo- to help us to respond to the buildup of anxiety. In our lives. But first of all a wee bit of background about Paul. Paul is no stranger to the conditions which produce anxiety. As he writes this letter he's most likely in lockdown under house arrest in Rome and he's in fear for his life. The threat of execution is looming large in the background. He's writing to the church in Philippi, a church he knows and to people that he loves. And he's writing to them because of challenges and difficulties in their church life. Paul with his pastor's heart feels a burden for this church because they're at odds with one another. They're divided and uh, he wants to try and help them uh, to live out of the unity that's theirs in Jesus Christ. And he's also experiencing difficulties because of the activities of certain Christians in Rome. They are believers But they're not supporters of Paul and some of their activities are specifically designed to cause trouble for him. And so as he sits down to write this letter there are lots of anxiety producing situations uh, that he finds himself in the midst of. And in the past 20 years he's he's experienced all kinds of challenges uh, and difficulties. He's been attacked by crowds in the marketplace He's been stoned at the instigation of religious authorities. He's been beaten with rods and whipped by the civil authorities. He's been imprisoned. He's been shipwrecked. And he's been the subject of numerous threats on his life. Paul knows all about anxiety-producing circumstances. And he writes these words in Philippians chapter 4 out of a substantial experience. Of confronting anxiety in difficult situations Paul knows what he's talking about and the first thing he says is rejoice in the Lord no matter what your circumstances rejoice in the Lord no matter what your circumstances generally speaking joy is a good feeling an emotion of happiness of gladness and of delight And that feeling of joy, that sense of joy, comes from a sense of well-being, from having achieved some successes, or from experiencing beneficial circumstances. The feeling of happiness comes from good happenings. But in Philippians 4 verse 4, Paul wants to move the focus away from our happenings, from our circumstances, to something much more solid, and steady. He wants to lay a foundation which is much more reliable. And so Paul says in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Look to the Lord for your joy. Find your joy in Him. What does that mean? How would you do that in everyday life? Well, it means taking some time to choose to bring to mind what you know about the Lord and to delight in him as he reveals himself. It takes time and it takes a wee bit of effort. We make a choice to remember what we know about the Lord. For example, you might take some time and and think about and reflect on God's character and what that means for us. As we think of the Lord, he's loving, he's patient, he's kind, he's generous, he's forgiving, he's faithful, he's reliable, he's holy. And as we remember what he's like, then we, 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 we remember too that, that that's how he relates to us. We're on the receiving end of that love. We experience his patience, his generosity, his kindness. And as we remember that, that he's the sovereign Lord, the one who's fulfilling his purposes in the world, and that we're caught up with him in his purposes, that, 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 that we're in his faithful hands. As he works out his purposes. Then that gives us confidence. That that produces joy. A responsive joy to know that, that we're kept safe by him. When we think that he's God Almighty. Whose power is unsurpassed and irresistible. And that our safety and security are in his care. Then we're able to rejoice. No matter what our circumstances To think on who God is and what he's doing gives us confidence, gives us reassurance, produces joy in our lives. And he's the God of grace. He's the one who doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, but treats us according to his great kindness. He's the one who casts our sins into the depths of the deepest sea to remember them no more. He's the one who, having given his own son over to death on the cross for our sake, is hardly likely to hold anything else back. If he's given us his his most precious gift, he's hardly likely to skimp on anything else. And so as we take the time and make the effort to to, to rejoice in the Lord, to find our joy in the Lord, our joy becomes much more buoyant. If you've ever tried to push a beach ball under the water at the swimming pool or by the seaside, you know how difficult that is. The beach ball keeps popping up again. It can't be held down. And when we locate our joy in the Lord, our joy uh, is hard to keep down. It's never far from the surface. It's always popping up here or there because of the foundation that it's laid on. It's based on something steady and unchanging the character, the grace, the ongoing work of God. And because that's where the foundations for our joy are, then we're able to experience joy even when we're sad. seems unlikely, and yet it's true. We're able to experience joy even when we're anxious. We're able to experience joy even when we're afraid because we rejoice in the Lord. Our joy comes from Him. Our joy is based on what he's like and how he treats us and and what he's planned for us in this life and in eternity. Now undoubtedly our circumstances will continue to impact our mood. Our circumstances will continue to have an effect on our sense of well-being. And our circumstances will continue to produce anxious thoughts, which at times can, can crowd in us and, and, and threaten to overwhelm us. But when we take the time to rejoice in the Lord, calling to mind who he is and what he's doing, then we find that that's a really effective antidote to anxiety. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. And the second thing that Paul says in verse six seemed to me for a very long time to be a daft thing to say. I didn't understand what Paul was getting at. I've heard a few daft things during my life. My mum used to say to me, John, do you want a good smack round the legs? Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. Do you know what, Mum? I don't think I'll bother. If I dared to say a thing like that, I would have got another smack round the legs. My favourite saying is that old apocryphal saying where this lady's uh, trying to discipline her son. He's climbing on, on the fence and she said to him, get down off that fence. You're going to hurt yourself. Get off that fence. Until finally exasperated, she blows up and she says, if you fall and break your legs, don't come running to me. I really hope somebody really did say that, but I'm not sure. Paul I had him in the daft category for what he says in verse 6. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Sure, that's like saying to somebody, don't be thirsty. Or don't be tired. How can you say to somebody, don't be anxious? How are you supposed to just stop being anxious? Well, of course you can't. You can't prevent your anxious feelings or thoughts just simply by determining that you won't uh, have them by deciding that you won't be anxious you, you can try and bat them away when they come or you can try and distract yourself from them by thinking about something else uh, or or by doing something else but you don't have command of those feelings of anxiety and i don't think that's what paul's saying here anyway I think when he says in verse six, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I think he's saying in effect, when anxious feelings come, when anxious thoughts crowd in on you, turn those anxious thoughts into points for prayer. And when you pray, give thanks. Don't give thanks for the the, the difficult situation. Don't give thanks for, for, for the challenges. But give thanks for God's presence with you in the midst of them. Give thanks that God has helped you in days gone by and can be trusted to help you in this day of trouble. Give thanks for the great promises that he makes and that we can rely on. So come with a a grateful heart and make your cares and concerns known to the Lord. Turn your, your anxious thoughts into points for prayer. Present them to the Lord. Lay them out. And ask the Lord for his help. Now you could ruminate on them. And we've all done that. And you could allow their their negativity and their fear. To pull your mood down. And we all know something of that, don't we? You could speculate unhelpfully about what's going to happen next. And we've done that too. Or you could give in to feelings of helplessness and hopelessness and despair. But, but Paul calls us to a much more positive response. Paul says, turn your anxieties into points for prayer. Bring those worries, those cares, those concerns to the Lord. Ask for his help. Ask for his intervention. Ask him to give you his wisdom according to his great promise. Ask for his transformational power to be let loose in you and in your situation. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed In a crisis situation. Because everything seems like it's running out of control. But the key in a crisis situation is to remember that God is in control. And that although not everything is within your control. Some things are. And there's nothing outside of God's control. There's one thing that you can do. You can pray. You can ask for help. You can believe that God knows you and that because he loves you, he will come to your aid. You can believe that that he hears your prayer and that he will respond according to his great wisdom and his mighty power. Now that's a lot easier to say than to do, isn't it? It's challenging to be able to put these things into to respond in this way, you typically have to keep doing it as anxious thoughts keep coming to you. It's a bit like playing whack a mole. As the anxious thoughts come, you need to turn them back to the Lord in prayer, and then they come again, and you must turn them back to the Lord in prayer, and then they'll come again, and you must turn them back to the Lord in prayer. But as you keep doing this, as you keep working at this, as you refuse to give up, you will discover in increasing measure the peace of God in your life that peace that God that Paul talks about in verse 7 God's peace is part of the f- of of the fruit of the holy spirit's presence in us it's a gro- that peace is a growing and sustaining confidence uh, in God's good and ways control of your life and his world and we express our confidence as we turn to the lord in prayer with all of the anxieties and cares that we have as we offer those to god along with our gratitude and our thanksgiving. Anxiety is part and parcel of everyday life. And anxiety um, is in no small measure in these particular days of trouble that we find ourselves. And none of us can escape it. But we can become better at responding to it. And we can learn to cope with anxiety in more... uh, productive ways. Paul calls us to rejoice in the Lord, to look to the Lord and find our joy in Him rather than depending on our circumstances. And Paul calls us to turn our anxious thoughts and feelings into points for prayer and to bring them before the Lord who loves us, who is committed to us, and who is determined to walk with us and exercise his grace in our lives. The one who will, in his own time, bring us safely home. I hope and pray that in these days, in increasing measure, you will experience joy and peace in your life as you turn again to the Lord. Let's pray. God, our heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's relevant for us in our lives today. We thank you that it speaks powerfully to our situation. Lord, as we hear what you're saying, give us your grace that we might grow in understanding and that we might grow in our ability to put it into practice. Lord, come and have your way in us. Help us to live in ways that please you and bring you glory. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: O sing unto the Lord a new song, for he hath done marvellous things, his right hand, his holy arm hath gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation, his righteousness hath openly shrewd in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth towards the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth make a loud noise, and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm, with trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar, and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein let the floods clap their hands let the hills be joyful together before the lord for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with equity
0: amen And so today as we worship, we give thanks to God for all that has been given to him in our worship and we ask for his blessing. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again today that we can give to your work. We ask, Lord, that as the offering is received in many different ways today, that you would be glorified. We thank you, Lord, for your daily provision for us. We thank you that you have entrusted so much to our care. And so therefore, Lord, we only return to you what was already yours. We ask that you would accept it and use it for your kingdom. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we come with our prayers for others, and as we come in prayer, we acknowledge that God is the one that we rely upon. Whenever we pray, we don't just bring a wish list, but we come saying to God, you are in control, you're the only one who can do the things that we ask of you, and that's why we speak to you and we bring you our prayers. So as we think of the needs of others, let's do that today in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you are the one who is sovereign. You are in control of all things. And therefore, Lord, we bow humbly before you. And we ask, Lord, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We come seeking you today, Lord, because we acknowledge once again that without you, we have no future. Without you as our king and as our sovereign, we have no way forward. And Lord, we despair for our land when people ignore you and openly go against you. And we pray for revival once again that we would see people coming and trusting in you and finding hope in you. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for the recovery in economy, in education, in business, in health. We know, Lord, that unless you are in each one of these things, they will come to nothing. We pray, Lord, for those who are ill, those who are bereaved, those who are struggling day by day. We pray that you would come alongside and minister your grace and bring hope to each individual, that they would look to you today and find help and strength for the future. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you to John for sharing with us from God's word today. And now as we come to the end of our service, it is a blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all, both now and forevermore. Amen.